Welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful Growth Steps resources, join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience original worship songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. So I got a question for you guys. How many of you have ever made a good trade in your life? You've traded and it was a good trade. How many of you have made a good trade? Come on. How many of you have made a trade and it was a bad trade? Looking back on it, you're like, that was a bad trade. Okay, could you just turn to somebody next to you? Just tell them real quick, either a good or bad trade. If you got someone around you, tell them real quick what you traded, what you gave, and what you got. Just real quick, what you gave, what you got back. So there's... There's a guy named Kyle, Kyle McDonald from Canada. He's sitting at his desk one day. This is crazy. He looks down at his desk and he sees a red paper clip. He's like, I wonder what I could trade for this red paper clip. There's got to be somebody in the world, especially with the internet, I'm connected, that would want a red paper clip. So he gets online and sure enough, July 2005, somebody trades Kyle McDonald, Canadian blogger, this red paper clip for a pin. Not just an ordinary pin, it was a fish-looking pin. So it's a pretty cool upgrade. So he's got a fish pin. He's like, I wonder what I could trade for this fish pin. He gets online, he finds somebody who trades him a custom-made doorknob. This is amazing. Like, he's gone from a paperclip to a custom-made doorknob. He eventually gets a hold of a camp stove with another trade. He goes from a camp stove to a generator, a generator to a snowmobile. He eventually finds someone who will trade him what he had at the time for a year's uh, worth of free rent, a, a room in their, in their place. He trades for a box truck. He trades somebody for a scripted, um, credited role in an actual movie, like literally in a movie. And, and then he trades that, this is unbelievable, literally for a two-story house in Saskatchewan, Canada. Like that, that's the end goal. 14 trades in less than one year beginning in July 2005. Kyle McDonald goes from a red paper clip to a house. Some of you are like, praise God, I knew I came to church for a reason today. I'm going to go home and give me a house. And looking around your junk drawer, what can I trade? It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to go so well for you, but it, it did work for him. It's amazing. You know, a trade is all about what you say yes to and what you say no to. Yes, deal, or no deal, right? I mean, you remember that? It's like, there's always a, a yes and a no involved in any trade. What do you get out of it? What do you put into it? Trades are really important because trades define your life. In fact, you're making trades every day of the week, whether you realize it or not. You're trading your time for something. You're trading your energy and your passion for something. You're trading your resources for items and different things that you experience. See, we're always making trades. Trades define us. And when you're making a decision, a yes and no decision, it's always a trade. 
It's always a trade. In fact, I've titled today's message, When to Say Yes and When to Say No. Because what you say yes to and when you say yes and what you say no to and when you say no will define, will, listen, will define your life. And when we bring it to a spiritual point, it will actually define your eternity. So your yes and no decisions have high stakes, high stakes, and you make them all day long. And this is the cool thing that God has given us the ability to say yes and to say no. And your life a year from now, I'm telling you, could be much better, much different if you can master this when to say yes and when to say no with God's help guiding you in your decision making. It can change your life. Well, decisions are all around us and trades are all around us. And there was a gentleman who tried to make a trade with Jesus. He was actually really excited about his proposal. He ran up to Jesus. He caught Jesus in a moment, and he probably heard great things about who Jesus was and miracles he could accomplish. And he runs up to Jesus, and he asks him to trade with him. Stories found in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 17, is Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. How excited are you about a trade if you, like, fall on your knees? I've never seen anybody do that before, you know, someone that's selling an item or trading an item. They're that excited. But this guy is so excited. He falls on his knees and and he says, good teacher. He asked, what must I do? That's what he's willing to give. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That's what he wants. Do you see the trade? What must I do? So so whatever it is, let me know. I want to know what I have to do. Here's what I want to get. Eternal life. Life forevermore with the Father in heaven and paradise. Whatever he thought of eternity, he wanted that. And what he was willing to do, well, he didn't know what he needed to do, but he was willing to do it. He's like, tell me what I've got to do. That was the proposal. That was the trait. You know, this guy wanted Jesus to give him something that he didn't have. And most trades start that way. In fact, most of the times that you say yes or no to something, it's because you realize there's a deficiency. I, I don't have that, and you want that thing. Maybe it's an item in a store. I, I want that. I'm willing to trade 20 bucks for that item because I want that. That's going to do something for me. Or, you know, I'm willing to trade some of my time because if I could give some of my time, maybe it's to a job, then I get a paycheck. Maybe it's to a hobby, then I'll get, you know, some fun in my life. I'm willing to trade this for that because that promise me, promises me something that I don't yet have or something that I want more of. So, so I'm making trades because I want to get something in my life that I perceive I, I don't have. And this, this guy, he says, I want eternal life. What do I need to do to get it? Verse 18, Jesus answers him. And he, he kind of seems to be changing directions in the conversation. He's not really. But he says, he says, why do you call me good? So he's asking Jesus for a trade. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Because the man came to him and he called him a good teacher. Jesus answered, He says, no one is good except God alone. So is Jesus here saying that he's not God? Because this guy calls him a good teacher. We believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The three in one are the one God that we serve. But here Jesus is saying, why do you call me a good teacher? Only God is good. Doesn't it seem like he's almost saying he's not God? Is that what he's saying? It's not what he's saying. He's actually saying the opposite. Because his reputation among a lot of the, the religious leaders at that time, a lot of the Jews, at best, was a good teacher. 
A lot of them didn't like him because he's going around teaching them about the kingdom of God. That was their job, the religious leaders. That was their job, but he's teaching them, but he's teaching them different things. And, and, and they're saying he's the Messiah, but the Jews are not ready to say he's the Messiah, the, the one that they've been waiting for, this coming king. They're like, no, no, he's not him. But, but Jesus is claiming these kinds of things, and, and he's disrupting their whole religious system. And they, they would say, well, he, they, had, they had to explain this because crowds are following him. Miracles are happening. Well, he's... He's a good teacher. That's it. He's not the Messiah. Maybe he's a good teacher. And, the, and this guy comes to him, surely thinking that Jesus has something to offer him, some way he can help him, some way he can teach him, because he's coming, wanting to make this trade with him, and he calls him a good teacher. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. What he's saying is there's, there's only one that's good, and that's God. And what you're asking is something that you can only get from God. So if you're wanting eternal life, you can't get that from a teacher because a teacher is not all good, not on their own. They have their own sin. They cannot give you eternal life. A sinful person cannot die for you. And Jesus ultimately did die for you. He died on the cross, and he was sinless. So that's why only he can stand in your place when you stand before a holy God. Our best deeds will never be good enough. Our good works won't be enough. We can't give him a case for all the great things we've done in our life, why we get to go to heaven, why we get eternal life, won't be enough. And, and, and so when he looks at those who are saved, who are saved from their sin because of Jesus' death on the cross, the Father looks at us and he sees Jesus, his sinless life and death for us. You see? So here, here's, here's why all this matters. Before this guy can actually make a trade, he has to understand what's first. You know what I mean? He has, he has to understand what's most important. He has to understand the context that he's trading in, the currency. He has, he has to understand these, these foundational things before he can make a trade because he's wanting eternal life from a good teacher. And Jesus is saying a good teacher can't give you eternal life. Only God can do that. So, so what are we doing here? Are you acknowledging that I'm God? Are you bowing? Your, you're here on your knees begging for something you want. Is this, is this a bow of submission? Is this a bow of saying you're God? Because if it is, then we can trade. But if I'm just a good teacher offering you some, some tips and tricks and some latest and greatest, you're not going to find that in the world. Not what you're looking for. Jesus, so Jesus is redirecting him to say, you need to acknowledge that I am God. And if what you're wanting is actually from God, then you can get it. But if it's, you're just seeking a teacher, you're not going to get what you want. In fact, John 14, uh, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he has this other phrase. We, we've heard, we hear that one a lot. But it says, if if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. So, so Jesus, and, and many other times like this, he's connecting himself with the father. I and the father are one. He'll say these kinds of things. If you knew me, you would know the father as well. So he very clearly saw himself as the divine, the, the God, God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. So he's directing this, this man to, to seek him as his savior, not as someone just giving him a good idea. Mark chapter 10, verse 19. And Jesus says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. I must picture him interrupting Jesus before he can get through all the commandments. He goes, Teacher, hold on, hold on. All these I have kept since I was a boy. I've done all these things. Verse 21, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And I love that that's tucked in here. He loves this guy. He wants the best for him as he does for your life. He wants what's good for you. And he looks at him, he loves him. He says, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor 
and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. So he says, I will make a trade with you. But what you have to give up, what you have to do, you're wanting to know what to do. What you have to do is you have to be willing to give up everything. Now, we find out later in the story that this, this guy had a lot. He had a lot of wealth. He had a lot of riches in this life. And Jesus was pinpointing that, not saying two things. He was not saying your works save you. The Bible and that Jesus' teachings were clear on that, that it's through faith that we have a relationship with God. So he wasn't saying your act, your work is what saves you. If you'll do this, if you'll give enough, if you'll volunteer, if you'll do all these things, if you'll attend my services, then, 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 then you can be saved. That's not what he's saying at all. He's, he's also not saying that riches are bad or that that's the thing that everybody has to give up. It was a conversation with this guy. What Jesus is actually saying is he's saying you need to surrender what's most important to you in your life to me. He's trying to dethrone the thing that's on the throne of this guy's life. And that can be different, by the way, for every person in this room. You might have something different that creeps to that top of your priority list, and that thing could be different than the person across the road from you. But all of us have the temptation to elevate things in our life of this world, the earthly, to elevate them to the level of importance as if they were eternal. And this guy, what was important for him was his riches, to get more, to have more, to own more, right? That, that, was, that was his thing. He loved it. He loved the world. He loved the things in the world. And that was what was first in his life. And Jesus knew that. Perhaps that's the thing that this guy loved the most. And Jesus, being God, put his finger on that spot. He knew it. He said, that which is most important to you, will you surrender that? It wasn't the first time that God's done things like this. Is a pattern of pointing out the things in our life that we tend to love more than him and testing us to see if we would surrender them. In some cases like this, actually asking us to fully surrender them. He asked that of Abraham, if you know the Old Testament. Well, he went to him, his son, who is his promise, his legacy. Generations to come, the promise of God that was going to be fulfilled now late in life, having this son. And he said, will you give up your son for me? And God never meant to take his son from him. He wouldn't take him. He'd protect the son. But he wanted to know if Abraham would give up the thing in his life that represented his future, his dream. I know you have a dream. What's your dream? Abraham had his dream. This, this rich guy had his dreams. And Jesus comes to us and he says, if you won't give up the thing that you're dreaming about, not even saying that you have to give that up. Don't misunderstand. But would you be willing to give that up? And sometimes God asks. But always he expects that we would be willing to give up the thing that is most important to us, that we would surrender it. It doesn't mean always taking it out of our life. It might be actually redefining it because you might have a great career going. You're saying, so God wants me to quit my job? No, I'm not saying that. In fact, I'm not telling you he's saying anything. You gotta discern that with him. But what I'm saying is what he might ask you to do is instead of you making your career all about you making more, getting more, doing more, and accomplishing more, and so everybody celebrates your glory, is that you, you surrender that to God and you say, now my career is not about me. It's about God and it's about bringing him glory through my career, so I'm surrendering that to him. You see what I'm saying? There's so many things in our life. It could be a relationship that's a good thing. God God wants you to have it. But if you worship that, you put that above God, God's a jealous God. The Bible says that. Not meaning sinful jealous, meaning that anything that's in his spot calls him a consuming fire. 
You don't want other things in your life to be ahead of God. You don't want the good things. You don't want the blessings to be above the blesser because the blesser can take away the blessings. I'm not saying that to be live in fear of God, but there is a reverence in the Bible of God that actually is called the fear of God, meaning I understand that God is holy. He's above me. He's lifted up. He's in his place on his throne. He will always be first. He will always be greatest. So the question's not, is he? It's, is he in my life? Or have I put other things above him in my life? Because if I put other things above God in my life, then my life is, is not aligned. It's not that God and the world are off. It's that my life is aligned because, not aligned because God, he's always going to be on top. He is. He is the highest, the king of kings. And he deserves it. He's holy. He's set apart. So this guy, he comes and he wants to make a trade. And, and Jesus says, well, what you want, and this guy had a good desire. What he wanted was everything. What don't you have in eternity, in heaven, in paradise, companionship with the Father, loving community? There's no pain. There's no sorrow. There's full joy. There's everything, everything you ever needed, and all of it is actually found in him. But there's much more. The Bible says it's beyond what we can imagine. And so he's asking for everything. I, I want God, and I want eternity. I want everything. He says, well, if you want everything, you have to surrender everything. Is it possible that some of us are wanting everything but only willing to give something? When does that work out in life? <laughs> yeah, I'll take it, but I'm only going to give you half the price. Well, I'm only going to give a little bit. I'm only going to give so much of myself. I'm only going to commit myself halfway. And the reality is that it's in your teaching notes. What am I willing to give up? That's what's needed. That's the reality. What am I willing to give up for God so he can grow me up? Anytime I want to grow, anytime I want to change, I, I, I got to say yes to giving up. I got to give up if I want to grow up. If I want to grow, if I want to see more in my life, if I want to see God do more, if I want to say yes to the eternal, then I got to say no to the earthly. Until we give up, the world's hold on us. We'll never be able to really take hold of the eternal, what God wants to do in us. And the gospel is all about gaining eternal life, gaining companionship with the Father, forgiveness of my sins. I gain a better, greater life by surrendering all of my life to him. Not just dipping my toe in the water and kind of trying it and mixing it into the, the, the mixture of my life. No, it's saying I'm, I'm surrendered fully to you, God, and I want to make a trade. I want to grow up. I want more to happen in my life. I want to say yes. You know, anytime you're faced with a decision, a yes or no decision, you, you really are saying no to something else to say yes to something, right? So some of us might leave today and say, man, man just being here worshiping God, it aligned to my heart. I realize I've been chasing the world. I want to chase the Father. I want to, you know what, Monday morning, I'm going to get up. I'm going to spend some time reading the Bible. I'm going to listen to the Bible app. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to get things right spiritually. I'm going to get, I'm going to realign things. Some, somebody might leave here saying that. I hope that happens. But for you to say yes to something like that, won't you have to say no to some other things? You might have to say no to staying up late, streaming videos or playing games or whatever you do with your time so that you can get up earlier and spend some time with God. You, you might have to say no to some other lesser things with your time so you can say yes to a greater thing, time with God. Listen, if I want to build healthy community around me, man, I don't want to be lonely. I, I want to have great relationships in my life. I want to have people that I care about, serve, love. I want to live in, in family, in relationship. I, I want that in my life. If you say that, and I hope someone here leaves inspired to, to pursue that, you will have to say no to other lesser things in your life, specifically the spirit of independence. 
I'm going to do everything on my own. I don't need anybody. I, I got this. I don't need, you have to be vulnerable and, and, and open up and include others and invite others in. You'll never be able to be interdependent and have that relationship you want if you're always completely, fully independent and you resist others and in, in opening it up. Some of us may say, I, I want to honor God and, and, and live generously. I want to be a generous person to others. I want to give of my, myself, my finances. I, I want God to use me in that way. I don't want to consume everything just for me. But in order for you to do that, you're going to have to say no to unwise money management habits that you might have had for your whole life. You'll have to say no to something so you can say yes to something better. Somebody may say, I want to say yes to be more of a serving person. I want to have a servant's heart. I want to serve my wife or my husband. I want to serve my kids or my parents. I want to serve my friends or at work. I want to be more of a servant. You can't say yes to serving others until you say what? Until you say no to serving yourself. Because if you're not serving others, you're serving yourself. So I have to say, no, I'm not going to serve myself what I want, what I want to do. I'm going to say yes to serving others. So there's always a trade. Just being aware of this as we talk about when and how to make the yes and no decision, I have to know that whenever I say yes, I'm saying no. When I say no, I'm saying yes. It's, it's a trade. There's always a trade involved. In my education, I'm, I'm trading time or money so that I can get an education. In my work, I'm, I'm trading sacrifice or independence or whatever else I could be doing. So I'm putting time in so I can advance and provide for a family or whatever it is there's always a trade involved in my life and growing up growing up is always giving up i'm saying no so i can say yes the problem occurs when we think we can do both (laughs) we think we can do both let me explain so we we think uh i'll explain with my own life when when i was when i was 18 19 years old i went off to college so excited about all my independence my parents, like, they did a great job raising me. They're amazing parents. But when I left and I drove off to college, I'm like, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. I'm so excited. First time in my life, completely independent. I'm an adult now. Whatever I want to do. Every day I can just wake up. What do I want to do? I was a full-time college student. Uh, I had a part-time job. I had a couple part-time jobs, actually. I, I, you know, just hang out with friends. Whatever I want to do. Well, then I met this girl named Jennifer. Best thing that ever happened to me, but it totally changed my life because after we dated a couple years, we're engaged for a year, we got married. And, and I woke up, I think, in those first few months of the marriage. I woke up just like I had my whole life. What do I want to do? And she's like, what do you mean, what do you want to do? <laughs> what do we want to do, right? It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, like, I was just going to go, well, I need you for this. And we're, so we had to negotiate and figure out that there's not just a me anymore, there's a we. And I realized, not that every single person selfish, but I was. I realized how selfish I was when I got married because I realized that, that now the, the we required me to be less so the we could become more. And that was good. We figured it out. About five years. We figured it out. We got to the movies, date night. You know, we had, we had a good we thing going on. And then she got pregnant. I'm pregnant. What? I'm not ready. You know, it's like we have a baby. And, and again, just like marriage was one of the greatest things that happened in my life, getting, for her getting pregnant was one of the greatest things that happened in my life. We got our son Jalen that I love so much. And we're so happy. But now I realize that I used to be more selfish than I thought when it was just the two of us because now we're like, hey, let's go to a movie. Well, the third person in this party doesn't want to go set through our two-hour movie. He's like three months old. He's crying. His diaper needs to be changed. I I can't just say, let's go to a movie. It's like, well, we got to stay home and take care of him. So we got to renegotiate our world. We got to figure some things out. 
And that turned out to be one of the greatest things that ever happened to me in my life. I just, it exposed in me, like, it's not all about me. It's not even about we anymore. Now it's about a family. And then we had three more. <laughs> and that just ruined me completely in a very good way. And now life's as, as good as it's ever been. But I have very little me time. Like a little, like a little slice here and there. Like, what do I want to do? It's more about how can I take care and help and serve. And that's just the way it is. And, and so as I've changed in life different seasons, I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't go back. But here's the thing. I can't pretend that I'm still independent when now there's others that are dependent and we're interdependent. I, I, can't, I can't regress back. If, if I want to grow up, if I want these things in my life to be healthy and whole, I can't go back. And some of us, maybe you were surprised into a relationship that came together or your parent or something just happened and, and you haven't really grown up into that. Maybe even someone pointed their finger at you and said, you need to grow up. And you're like, no. It's like, I don't want that. But it's like, you just, you kind of like want to go back to this season where you had some, some independence, but you want the fruit and the joy of this. It happens in our dreams. Some people chase a dream. I got a dream. I'm going to do this. I'm going to accomplish this. I'm going to go here. We start chasing. We start pursuing those things. But when we go up, when we grow up, we have to give up. But then when we get there and the dream starts to come together, it's not there yet. You don't have all the joy of it. It's just hard work. You're in the throes of it. It's intense. You're raising that family. You're pursuing that career. You're saving up and paying off the debt. You're, you're working towards the goal. And then you start to have these fantasies in the midst of hardship like, man, Sure was nice back here when I could just do whatever I wanted. And you want, you want the fruit of this. You're not willing to trade that. And so what people do, listen, you might be doing this right now, is they, they try to grab a hold of the one without letting go of the other. They have not clearly said yes or no. They've tried to do both and they get neither. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 37. All you need to say is simply yes or what? No. Yes or no. It's that middle ground that is so hard for us. It's like the box in your garage or your attic, under your bed, the junk drawer, the, the one place that just the miscellaneous stuff has piled up over the years or from the last time you moved. How many of you, if you're honest, you have a box somewhere or a drawer somewhere that you really need to go through? Come on, just be honest for the sake of others. Look, like most of us, we have somewhere there's a box, there's a drawer, right, that we need to go through. Why haven't you done it? Wouldn't your life be better if you had that space reclaimed? Wouldn't it be nice to just get rid of that stuff, not have that mental, like just, oh, I got to do that? Wouldn't it be great to just check it off your list? Why don't we do it? I'll, I'll tell you why. I know exactly why it is, because I got those in my life too. Why, why do we not finally deal with it? We're not ready to say a clear yes or no. We're still at maybe stage. Because if you know you go through that box, you got to look that bowling trophy in the eye from sixth grade and say, I'm done with you, <laughs> and we're not ready to let go. Because you've thought one day someone somewhere might need to know that I was a bowling champion in sixth grade. Somebody might need to know that. If I really make it in life, they might use this on the highlight reel. He was once a bowling champion in sixth grade. My grandchildren, they might want to set it up in their apartment one day. My grandfather, look what he accomplished. I'm not ready just to throw it away, so I let it sit there. I haven't clearly said yes or no. I'm having fun, but... I wonder what maybes exist in our life that are holding us back for, from being closer to Jesus, for living for him, for having more of him in my life, for really worshiping him, coming here and not just filling up a seat, but, but being filled up with the presence of God and saying, God, I'm all in. I, I wonder what holds us back if it couldn't be maybe some, some indecisiveness in us where we haven't said yes, yes, Jesus, I'm in, or no sin, I will not. 
maybe we're kind of like, well, can I kind of follow Jesus and be a Christian but still have a little, you know, side thing going? Like, like I wonder if maybe just not simply saying yes or no doesn't hold us back. I think it does. Question I put in your notes is a good Monday morning question. I hope you'll have some time with God tomorrow morning as you wake up or sometime during the day. And this question, is this decision a yes or no? I hope you'll ask that first of your relationship with God. Is he a really a yes in my life? But I hope that other decision that you might be trying to make in your life, that this will help you think through, is this a yes or a no? Because it can't be both. What am I willing to trade? So Jesus looks at this guy, this guy who wanted to trade with him. And Jesus responded and said, you have to give up the thing in your life. You have to surrender the thing that you, you're tempted to, to love more than me. In this guy's case, it was his wealth. That scared me when I was a young adult. When I first came across that, I'm just learning my faith. I'm just growing in my faith. I came across this. I'm like, does that mean if I get really close to Jesus, he's going to ask me to sell everything and give up everything? I'm going to end up just like broke and nothing and like I'll be in the middle of nowhere and I won't know anybody and I have any friends. I'll just, just be me and God, which is great. I'll have God, but I'll have nothing. Is that what he wants? And kind of terrifies you a little bit when you first hear this. You're like, God, he's really demanding. He's asking a lot. And, and maybe you come to terms with that at some point. You're like, okay, I, as my experience has been that he doesn't ask everybody, every Christian to give up everything because clearly there's some Christians who have things and it's okay, so maybe, maybe that's not everybody. So maybe that won't be me. And then there's this kind of like partial surrender of like I surrender, but I hope it's not me. I hope he doesn't ask me to give up everything, right? And you kind of hold God at an arm's length. Let me come back to that at the end. Maybe, maybe that's where you are. Maybe that's where you've been. Let me come back to that. But here, this man, he responds to Jesus when he asks him to surrender everything. This is the hardest part of the story. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. He had so much. He had no idea how much more that God had for him. And because he had so much, he couldn't see past what he had to have a vision for what he didn't have. The more you get in life, the further you go in life, the more of the world that you have in your life, just be aware the harder it is to stay surrendered. Jesus went on to explain to his followers that it's not impossible. He said, with God, all things are possible. So be encouraged. But he said, it's extremely difficult. The more you have, the harder it is to give up. The further you are into sin, the harder it is to turn around, bow your knee. The more it's about you, the harder it is to make it about God. So this guy leaves saddened. Jesus looked at it around and he said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Not impossible, but how hard it is. It doesn't have to be rich in wealth, but rich in the things of the world. A lot that you care about in the world. A lot that you're held on, that's holding on to you, that you're holding on to. It's, it's, just, it's just hard to live like this, surrendered, receiving from God when I'm, when I'm holding on to him. I love this world so much. And so part of following Jesus in maturity is, is, is realizing that I loosen my grip. In the same way that I'm a, I matured um, in my, my relationships, in my, in my life journey as, as I went from different stages of life. Um, and I'm still maturing, still growing, but I, I've made some changes from when I was a young single person and now a, a pastor and parent and father and husband, all these things, roles I have, now have. I've realized I've also been growing spiritually in that time. Maybe you find yourself today somewhere where, where I have been or, or where I'm currently. I, I used to be get more, if I'm honest with you. When I first became a Christian, I want to get more. 
God bless me. <laughs> I'm following you and I love you, but, but God bless me. I want my life to go better. I want to be happy. I want you to help me be successful. I want things to go good. I, I, most Christians, that's where they start. From my perspective as a pastor, as I've watched people, this is where most of us start. We'll even come to a service. We're here to get something out of it. We, we, we'll leave saying, did I get something out of it? Was it valuable to me? I, I, I want to get from God. When I begin my faith journey, I want to get more. But then when God starts to do in your life, this is where it gets really exciting. You mature from get more to give more. I want to give more than I take. God's still blessing and, and all that's great, but, but I've realized over time as I follow him, he matures me to a new stage, which is I want to give more than I get. I want to give more than I take. And you realize you can't outgive God. You try, but you can't. He always gives more. But, but I want to give to others more than I take. I want, I want to give. I want to give. I want to serve. And you start, you know, show, maybe you showed up early to service. Maybe some of you went and helped in the kids' areas in the first service, and then you're attending this service. You came to give, not just to get. Some of you showed up at a work day yesterday here to give more than just get. Some of you will lead a life group, or you'll be involved in serving, or you're in a band, or a tech role, or you out there greeting people, or setting up food for people, or, or you're out in the community, you got some kind of ministry going that God's using you, and you're just saying, I'm here to give, not just to get. That's where a natural progress goes. I think maybe I'm somewhere around that stage, but I've realized in, in, in the recent years of my life that that's not where the journey ends. It's not just going from get more to give more. There's another layer, and I don't think I'm fully there yet, and, it's, and I want to be there, but it's, it's become more. It's become more. See, God's not just wanting to use you. He's, he's not just wanting to work through you. He's wanting to do something inside you to change you. This is where it's amazing. This young man, God didn't need his riches. <laughs> he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. He could have just made it happen. He didn't need that from him. What we think we're giving to God, it's more not about what he, he's getting through us. It's, it's what he's doing in us. And God's wanting to do more in your life than you can imagine. He just needs you to work you through the process of surrender to where you'll allow him. You'll surrender it to him. And he says, all right, well, now we can go somewhere. Now we can do more because you're becoming more. And I can always do more through someone who has become more. There's more of a foundation. I can put more blessing on it. It won't crack. It won't fall. There's character there. There's faith there. I can pour more in because they're willing to pour out. They're not going to be a dead sea and let it all gather up in there just for themselves. They're going to release that. I'm going to bless others through them. They're generous. They serve others. Now I can can pour more in. See, you see, God is always taking us on a process of maturity. Where are you? Where are you? You have to be willing to let go of past comforts to reach future calling. That's in your notes. You have to be willing to let go of past comforts to reach future calling. There's things that we look back on and, you know, there's, we thought there was such value in them. But as we go through this maturing process, what we used to say yes to, we realize, no, that's not where the greatest value is. <laughs> when, I was, when I was a young boy, I started collecting uh, ball cards. I started baseball. I went to the football and basketball too. But, but I'd go into the little grocery store by our house and trade. When it started, it was like a quarter. And then the prices went up. And they would give you, when I got these little packs, they'd give you a little stick of gum inside the pack. So I'd tear it open stick the, the little piece of gum in my mouth. I'm chewing the gum and I'm flipping through like, oh, cool, this guy. Again, I didn't even really watch a lot of sports because I was so young at that point. I learned who was good or not based on their cards and what my friends were willing to trade, what they were willing to give for which card. That's how I knew who was good. And I memorized all their names and I had collections going and I filled boxes with these cards. I thought they were so valuable. Well, when I went away to college, I put these in boxes and put them in storage and eventually when I had kids, I, I pulled them out and, and, you know, a few years ago, quite a few years ago now, actually, and I was just going through them just to say, hey, is there any value here? 
And I looked up online, I asked some people, and they said, you know what, when you were collecting cards, like in the 1990s, they were overproduced, they're worth pretty much nothing. That broke my heart. I was like, really? You have no idea how much time I put in, and, you know, elementary and middle and high school, like when I was collecting these cards, you're saying they're worth just about nothing? Well, pretty much. So I went through them because I found out there's these things called common cards. They give them a value of a penny or five cents, but what they're basically saying is they're not worth anything. So I went through and I pulled all those out, put them in some boxes, set them at a garage sale. Someone traded me at a garage sale a few dollars for these boxes of cards. They thought they were getting a good trade. I said, hey, there's none. I took all the good ones out. They're like, hey, no, no worries. There's a lot of cards here. I'm going to take them. And I said, well, I'm getting a good trade because I'm getting a few bucks. So we made a trade. We both said yes. We both said no. We made a trade. And I got something that seemed like a little bit better value, but I lost something that I used to think had great value. Well, recently, this last year, my, my sons, they, they're basketball players like I am. We play basketball in the driveway. They're into basketball. They have a video basketball game. They know all the players. And they found out about basketball cards. Hey, we can collect some basketball cards. So we got some basketball cards, and we started uh, trading together. And I, I realized I had some, some old uh, baseball and football cards. And I said, guys, I, let's just go get rid of those. Let's take those to the card shop and see if they'll trade us for some basketball cards. You know, we can, we can go do that. So we went down there, and I put my best cards, the only ones I'd saved. I just brought my best ones. I said, hey, uh, this is all I got left of, of basketball or baseball and football. Can we trade you for some basketball cards? How much is it worth? The guy looked through them. He pulled up his phone. He's like, I got like 30 of these. I got 10 of these. This is not worth anything. He goes, honestly, he goes, I'll probably have to just give most of these away. I don't think they're worth anything. Maybe like $20. $20. I'm like, $20 for my best cards from all my childhood? You're serious? That's it? And he's like, yeah, sorry, man. I was so disappointed, but I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> I made a trade. I said yes. He said yes. We made a trade. We get to the counter to check out. My boys had got some, they'd saved up some money, and they got some packs of cards they want to get. And, and he said, well, we have this deal going that if you spend $25 and you become a member of this place, then every time you come in, you get 20% off. And I did some math on what they're, they were buying, and I looked at their eyes and how excited they were. I knew we'd be back, and I said, all right, deal. I'll trade you. I said, how about I'll trade you that $20 store credit for your $20 membership? He said, yes, we made another trade. We both said yes, we made another trade. And so I got, basically, for all my years of collecting cards as a child, I got a coupon. <laughs> That's like what I got. I'm like, I used to trade so much of my time organizing these cards and putting them in order and setting them up and, and then collecting them and putting them in, in protective cases and thinking there's such value. And one day I'm going to pass these on to my kids and they will be such great value. And I got a coupon. <laughs> well, now every once in a while, my kids will pull out their basketball cards uh, at night and they'll say, hey, Dad, can we trade? And I'll pull mine out from under my bed and we'll just trade. And, and they'll be like, hey, can I trade you this for that? And, and I realize I'm not in it to get value really anymore. It's more about the value of the time together. So yeah, I'll trade. They're like, oh, cool. I got a good deal. We, we had this great time together. And I realize now that what's more important to me than the actual trading, although I have fun and I like basketball and we have a good time together, it's the relationship that's most important to me. What in your life are you trading up for and spending all your time and your energy and your money on that at the end of your life, you're going to look back and say, you know what? What I thought was so valuable is actually not that valuable. I'm just trying to help somebody not waste their life. I personally don't want to waste my life and get to the end of it and be laid out in a family member's home or an extended care facility or a hospital somewhere, and I'm drawing my last breath, and I'm looking up at the ceiling and thinking, why did I waste my life trading for all these things, all the yeses I said yes to? Why did I waste my life? I want to look back. I know I won't live a perfect life, but I want to look back and think, man, I'm so glad I made the trades I did. I'm so glad Jesus was first. I'm so glad my family and my friends were in my life. 
I'm so glad that I, I gave myself to something that mattered. And I used my career to make an impact. I'm so glad I did ministry and I served others. I'm so glad I tried to be healthy the best I could in my, my fitness, my finances, and my fun. I, I think I, I tried to live a prioritized life. You won't be perfect. I won't be perfect. But what if we can make the trades that really mattered? See, I have to be willing to let go of past comforts if I'm going to reach my future calling, if I'm going to reach where God wants me to go. So here, here's my, my challenge for you. It, it, it's one that someone gave me when I was 19 years old. It's an actual homework assignment. You don't get homework from church very much, but I'm going to give you one this week, okay? Someone gave this to me 20 years ago, and it changed my life. So I was a freshman in college, and I, I go into this church, and the guy's preaching. This, this young guy's preaching. He's a senior in college. I'm a freshman, and it just impacted me. I went up to him after the service. I said, hey, I want to be a preacher like you're a preacher. God's called me. Would you help me? Would you mentor me? Would you coach me? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Let, meet me here Thursday at the church. We'll get together. I show up Thursday and every Thursday after that for that semester, for that, that school year. And he brought some stuff that he'd prepared and put together. And we sit down and we talk for about an hour. And he just poured his life into me. He mentored me. His name was Dave. I love Dave. Such a blessing to my life. And, and Dave just showed me so much about what it means to follow God and to honor him and live for him. But one of the greatest gifts he gave me, something I still look at on a weekly basis. He said, Brandon, I want you to write down all the roles in your life. And this is what I want you to do this week. He said, write down the roles in your life. That time in my life, I had the role of a student. I was a son to my parents. I was a sibling. I had a part-time job. I had some roles in my life. And, and, and I wrote those roles down. He said, now I want you to put a sentence with each one of those roles. I want you, what's your dream? Why, what, why are you trying to get your education? Where do you want to go in your education? Do you want to get more education? What's your dream? What about your career? What about your, your relationships? What about your faith? And, and, and he had me to write all those things down. And he said, put some goals under there and then organize it in priority. What's most important? Just ask, is, is my job more important than school or is school more important than my family? Is my faith more important than those things? Like what's most important? I, I did that. He told me to do it. I did. I came back next week. I said, here you go. He talked to me about it. We kind of arranged some things, and, and it's changed a lot through the years. But I still look at that on a regular basis. Why? Because it always reminds me and centers me. It brings me back on point of what matters most in my life. And, and what I've come to realize is that for me, and it might be different for you, but for me, I can't get around the first. I have five priorities, five life dreams, I call them. These are my dreams, five sentences that define what I'm dreaming for and, and waking up for each day. And my first two, I think, should be the same for every believer. And my, my first is to experience God's love deeply every day. So it's my faith. You can put every sentence you want in that, but my faith, and then it's my family and friends. Uh, it's, it's my relationships. And, and where I get that is from Jesus. When they asked him what's most important, he said to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the most important things. It's, it's relationship, relationship with God, relationship with others. So I think in your life, as you, if you do this homework assignment, I think you'll find it fruitful this week. Prioritize the roles in your life. For me, it was faith and then family and friends. Now, after that, there can maybe be some variety and order in different life circumstances, but what it was for me and what I think probably could be for a lot of people is, is that career is the next big part of your life, next priority. You say, well, there's other things more important than that. It's true, but if you don't work, you don't eat, <laughs> and you don't have a roof over your head. So that, that was kind of an important thing is that you, whatever the career is. And, and then, then for me, it was ministry, doing ministry, serving others, making a difference for God, living for him. And then the, and the fifth thing for me was, was health, holistically. So it, it, thinking through my, my fitness, my finances, and my fun, the different areas of my life that my life exists in. And, and having those in order has helped me so many times. When do I say yes? When do I say no? I go back and I think, well, what's, what's the priority here? What trade am I willing to make? What, what has greater value? 
Now, it's not always A, B, C, D, because listen, you, you could say, well, God's most important, so Monday morning, I'm gonna pray for three hours, I'm gonna go into work at noon. Well, you could do that, but what you'll be praying about on Tuesday is for a new job. So it's not just always, well, this one, this one, there's a lot of wisdom to it in discernment, and, and you can't neglect your health and say, well, I'm not gonna take care of my health, I'm just gonna work, because that's a higher priority. Because here's what will happen, your health will deteriorate, and you won't even be healthy enough to work. You throw yourself into your work so much, you can lose other things in your life that are important, so you have to, all these things are important. Okay, but let me just give you an example that might help. So I, I bought some flowers this spring, and I, I decorated the front of our house with flowers. We have palm trees. I, I, I like I like nature, and so I, I had these flowers, but they came in these nice pots. And usually they come in the cheap plastic pots, and you throw them away. But they were kind of nice pots that they had been planted in at the store. And so I put them in a stack, and I set them next to my trash bin next to our house. And I thought I might use these someday. I didn't want to. I wasn't willing to say a clear no and throw them out, so I let them sit there. Right? So now I'm going through the, the lawn care department of our home improvement store here in town, and I'm, I'm walking through, and I see they have this big wall of seeds the other day. And I'm walking through it, and just the spontaneous side of my personality came out, and I'm like, oh, I got those pots. I'm going to plant some seeds, and that'll be a cool experiment. And I looked at the wall. I'm like, what can I grow? There's all these vegetables. Wouldn't it be cool to grow something and eat it? I got a pineapple growing in my house. That's kind of cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow something I can eat. And so I, I saw these sweet and short carrots. I'm like, those will fit. And I did all the research there on the packet. This, this will work. And then I said, like, well, you know what else? I should grow some peppers. My wife loves peppers on her salad. We could, we could sit around and eat carrots and peppers together. <laughs> then I grew. It's going to be good. So I picked these up. I'm ready to take my step towards the front of the store. And it only says $1.29 on the packet. I can afford that. This is going to be fun, exciting, and it's, it's very uh, affordable. Here we go. And as I go to take my step toward the cash register, something inside me has popped up. And, and it was this concept, I'm going to put it in a quote that I heard years ago, but the concept is stay with me. It's from Louis Giglio. He said, whenever you say yes to something, there's less of you for everything else. So make sure that your yes is worth the less. So could I say yes to this? Absolutely. It could fit in my life. I could squeeze it in the margins. I could make it happen. I could afford it. It fit in the budget. But here's the thing, if I said yes to that, what I started to realize before I went to the register and, I, and when I actually put the seed packets back, I realized that if I said yes, that I would have to not only take them home and plant them and fill the buckets with soil, which I didn't have, to, I didn't have so I'd probably go buy some soil, and when I planted them, I'd have to water them on a regular basis. I'd have to make sure they had enough sun and not too much shade. I'd have to pull the weeds out. I'd go out, I knew myself, I knew I would go out like every day, maybe twice a day, just checking. Did they grow? Did anything change. I'd probably take a picture and share it with my friends. I knew that that would take me a lot more time and be a lot more costly than the number that it said on the packet. Because it said it only cost $1.29. But I knew that it would cost me. And I didn't know if it would cost me in my faith. If it would cost me in my family or my friendships or our church. I didn't know what my yes would be a trade for at that point. But I knew enough now because I've said yes too many times to the wrong things. And I knew enough about priorities to say, no, I, I feel really good about my priorities right now. And I feel healthy. I don't think I need another fun hobby thing. I think, I think I'm good there. That category's checked. But man, I want to keep focused like a laser on all these things because light, light's powerful. But light can also be very ineffective. Light, when it's diffused, can light a room. But light, when it's focused like a laser, can cut through steel. And I want my life for God to be focused. And I want, God, I want you to be pleased with me. I want to live for you, Jesus. I want every day when I wake up, I want to experience your love deeply every day as I live for you. I don't want anything to rob me of that. 
I want to care about the people in my life and our ministry and, and, and impacting our community for Jesus. I don't want to be distracted. Distractions can destroy your life dreams. Are you distracted? When your notes, you have to give up wherever you want to go up in Christian influence. If you, got, if you want God to use you more, you have to be willing to give up. You have to be willing to give up. We're looking for life group leaders this fall because... What Jesus did to change the world is he gathered a dozen people around him, the disciples, and he poured his life into them for three years, and they went on and changed the world. And we're looking for people who will say yes to influence, to serving Jesus, to saying, yeah, I'll open up my living room. And there's a girl in our church right now. She's a woman. She's doing this 4.0 group. And she's calling this Bible study this fall that she's going to start like 40 and up, 4.0. Like, oh, that's cool. We had somebody that started a, a sports group and people getting together and playing ball together. There's people that have done Bible studies and all kinds of stuff in their homes or a coffee shop. Listen, God, what if God wanted to use you to do something to impact other people's eternities and their lives? But what if the reason why you couldn't say yes to that opportunity or serving kids or being out in our community doing something to reach out to people, what if the reason you couldn't say yes was because you said no to a bunch of lesser things? You know, you got to figure this out. I'm, I'm just trying to be helpful and say, what is it in your life that you're saying yes to, and what are you saying no to? And in the end of your life, will you be happy that you made those trades? And the question I want to leave you with in the end of your teaching notes is this. What's my strategic yes? What's my strategic yes, and is it eternal? What, what is it that I'm saying yes to? What is it that I'm not willing to give up, not willing to trade? If someone said, I'll trade you this. No, I'm, I will not. This is my strategic yes. I hope you'll do this assignment and you'll prioritize your life and, and pray through that this week and say, God, guide me. Help me to be aligned. Help me to give my life for what really matters and what's gonna last. Mark 8, 35 is a verse I wanna leave you with. Jesus said, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. He's saying, live surrendered. That's the best life. Remember I said I'd come back at the end to when I was a kid and how it kind of scared me, this whole story. It doesn't scare me anymore. Because what I've come to realize is that whenever you trade with Jesus, whenever you trade with God, you always get a good deal. You always get an incredible deal. Whatever you, whenever you trade with God, whenever you sense the spirit of God prompting you, hey, I want you to give up this so you can grow up. I've never been disappointed. Some of you this fall in October, when we do a baptism, you need to give up some time and take a step and be baptized. The hundreds of people we baptized, I've never seen anyone say, I regret being baptized. It was a bad trade every time. Man, I've grown. It's been amazing. Anytime I've seen someone get in a Bible study or spend time with God or, or get closer to Him or start serving, it's always a good trade. What are you going to trade this fall so that you can say yes to Jesus? What's your strategic yes? What is your strategic no? I hope you spend some time praying about this, that this week so that you can live full on for God. Right on. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.